Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, once again, I want to thank our worship teams for helping us to honor and bring glory to God. What a gift you are to us, and we appreciate that so much. And I appreciate you, every person that's here. Thank you for coming this morning. That's a gift to us, and we are a gift to each other. I really believe that. As we hear one another, as we observe one another in worship, it's an inspiration to each other. And I think God's created us that way. And so thank you for coming this morning. And um, I believe that, that we met with God in worship and we'll continue to meet with him now in his word. So it's my privilege this morning, if we haven't met before, my name is Tim. I'm the lead pastor here at Central Heights. And this is going to be my mas- last message for a while. So uh, buckle up, enjoy it. And uh, hopefully, I believe God has something to say to us. If you want to take your Bibles, go to John chapter 17. We are going to finish our three-part series today called Share This. Wouldn't it be amazing if there was a greater infinite being creator that he would reveal to us what he's like what he wants what matters to him wouldn't that be great because that's actually what christianity believes that god the infinite god the great i am that we've just sang about has given us an understanding he's revealed to us in part what he's about, who he is, and and what matters to him. We're going to see that this morning. They say if you really want to get to know a a person and and hear what their heart really beats and longs for, one of the best things you could do is to pray with them in real prayer. Because as you're hearing them like open, authentic before God, talking to him, you're going to hear what on their lips as they pray to God, you're going to hear what really matters to them. When I was uh, growing up as a teenager, I had three other siblings, so there was four of us, and there was this season as I was a teenager, and um, one of my siblings was making some bad choices, and it was, the, the consequences of that were pretty, pretty significant, and so we were going through this as a family, and I will never forget this one day as as I'm at home and I don't hear a lot of noise. I don't know if anybody else is home, but I'm looking for my mom. I think I wanted to ask her a question or something, so couldn't find her. So I went upstairs to um, my mom and dad's bedroom and uh, went in, and, and there she was. Only she didn't know I was there, and I caught her. I caught her on her knees. I caught her on her knees praying. Not um, polite, quiet, thank you for this meal, Lord, kind of prayers. I caught her praying in a gut-wrenching, tearful kind of prayer. And she poured her, out be- her heart out before God for her kid. It gave me a whole new perspective on the love of my mother that day and what mattered to her. This morning, as we look at John chapter 17, it's kind of like that. Like, we are getting a glimpse into the heart of the Son of God, Jesus, as just before He goes to the cross, and He knows it's coming, the shadow of His crucifixion is upon Him. Just before He goes through that, He has this time where He talks to His Father, and we get to listen in to it and to hear His heart. 
We're going to look at verses 13 down to verses 21 this morning, and this is a piece of what Jesus prayed to his Father, verse 13. But now I am coming to you, Father, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Verse 18. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me, through their word, that they may be all one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Precious precious words of Jesus in his private prayer with the Father. And in it, we see Jesus makes uh, statements, he makes promises, and he also makes requests. And as you hear him pray, you realize that uh, in the words that we've just heard, Jesus is not just speaking to the Father about his immediate disciples. He is speaking to the Father, he says in verse 20, and also those who will come after them, who will believe in the word that 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 his followers will give to them. So Jesus is assuming that those who follow him will be on mission and that as they're on mission with God empowering them, that other people are going to believe like they did. And so Jesus doesn't just pray for his immediate disciples, but he prays for those who will continue to believe because of the message. And you and I are part of those people today. What that means is that as we hear this prayer of Jesus in John chapter 17, we are hearing the heart of Jesus, we're hearing the intention of Jesus for his followers, we're hearing God's heart for for us together this morning. And this is what Jesus prayed for us. We're going to look at it, we're going to build a statement, we're going to look at it in three principles, and then we're going to build out of that one statement. And it begins with this, God wants us in the world. God wants us in the world. Verse 15, I do not ask that you take them out of the world. God wants us in the world. Now, for those of you that are parents or grandparents, or maybe even as a, as a child under parents' authority, you'll understand that generally parents, they want to protect their children. I mean, that's what good parents do. You want to protect your children. You want to keep them from harm. You want to orchestrate things so that Uh, circumstances go well, that you don't put your your child in a place of predicament where they could be in danger, where they could hurt themselves. And so we buy gates for stairs. We have car seats that buckle in like they never did before. So we we do all these things because we want the best, safest environment for our children. We understand God as, as a father and that he loves us. I hope, you, I hope you get, I hope you know how deeply, how incredibly the father loves you. His love for you is relentless. And sometimes we understand that, but we, we translate that, that we translate love as a parental love, that that would mean that God would protect us from any sort of difficult circumstances, that our life should be as smooth as cultus lake on a midweek morning when it's like glass that that's what our life should be like. And when it's not, we think that something's wrong. 
that something's wrong with us in our relationship with God, or maybe even worse, that God can't be trusted. But Jesus prayed, if you, if you hear his prayer here, he's praying something different. He's praying that God would not take out his followers out of the world, knowing that the world will be hostile towards his followers. He even says that if you back up just a verse or two. I have given them your word in verse 14, and the world has hated them because they are not of this world, just like Jesus. So Jesus envisions his disciples and even wants them to be in a place where they are in a hostile environment. That's what he intends, and that's what he's purposed for you and me. In the first Sunday of our series called Share This, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about how the, the kingdom of heaven is like a wedding banquet, and Jesus gave this parable, this illustration of, of that. And in that, he, he showed how his servants went out to invite people. The picture is that God is inviting people into a relationship with himself. And it's amazing. It's like a banquet that a king would throw. And no one can throw a party like a king. But in that illustration, in that parable that Jesus gave, people are indifferent. Yeah, so what? And so, in our experience today, as we would maybe talk to somebody about Jesus and, and that God loves them and invites them into a relationship with Him, some people will be indifferent. That's the way it has been in Jesus' day. That's the way it will always be. But Jesus also said there will be those that are hostile. And so today we have pers persecution of Christians in different places of the world that still exists. It existed then and it still exists today. And in that toxic environment, even though Jesus knows the environment's going to be hostile at times for his disciples, he prays to the Father, don't take them out. I do not ask that you take them out of the world. Jesus wants his followers to be in the world. I was talking with a, a person recently, um, Christian, not from this church, uh, and we were talking about, like, Christmas. This, this is where we're getting into Christmas season. And usually now we get invitations to your corporate Christmas, Christmas event if you work for a company. And uh, as the conversation between her and I went, uh, talked to, she talked about, yeah, I didn't really like their corporate Christmas parties. People drank too much. Uh, they say things. It's an uncomfortable environment. There's conversations around topics that just made her feel uncomfortable. I said, yeah, it's the same way at my work. <laughs> not true, not true. But she said, so we don't go. We don't go. We take ourselves out of it. And I, I, I was a little bit grieved because I thought, no, that's exactly where I think we need to be. Not that we're influenced, not that we're partaking and we become part of the, of, of the bad picture, but that we're there. We're there and we're there different. This is God's desire for us. Jesus says, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but he does ask for this, but that you keep them from the evil one. Keep them. That word, it expresses value. Like when you have something precious, you guard over it and you watch it. You look, you look after it. 
And so Jesus, again, pictures a hostile environment from people, but also ultimately what's beyond that is that there is an evil one who's, who is inspiring these people. And, and what the evil one wants to do is to separate you from God. So God wants to keep you. He wants to protect you in your relationship with him. And he wants to give you joy in the midst of that. That's what Jesus said. They've given him your word that they may have joy and be fulfilled in them. Jesus says, I want that for them. Even in this you know, hostile environment, they'd have joy. Don't take them out. Give them joy in the middle of it. Joy in you, Father. But keep them from the evil, them, evil one. Watch over them. And so Jesus gives us a picture that in the world that his followers are in, where he's purposed them to be, they are going to be at odds with this evil being called Satan who is crafty, he's wily, and what he wants to do is get you off your game. He will use people, he will use circumstances, but what he wants to do is to separate you in your relationship with God. We need to be aware of that. It needs to bring some soberness to our relationship with God, but not to fear. See, we don't need to fear because Jesus has already modeled that he keeps his followers. He says in verse 12, as he talks with the Father, while I was with them, speaking of his, of his disciples, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I kept them. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost, except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled, speaking of Judas. Jesus said to the Father, just as I kept them, so now I am praying that you also would keep them in my absence. Just before Jesus went to the cross, he had this conversation with Peter, and he let Peter know. He said, Peter, Satan wants to sift you as wheat. That idea of sifting is separation, where the, the, the wheat is separated from the husk. Satan wants to do that. He wants to get you off your game. He wants to separate you from your relationship with God. That's the tactic of the enemy for, for all of our lives, that we'd be drawn away, that we'd move a little further away. His voice would get a little, little Harder to hear his presence a little more out there. And all of a sudden we find ourselves distant. But Jesus says, don't fear. He said it to Peter, but I will pray for you. And Satan was unsuccessful and Peter becomes this pillar in the church. And know this, though God is asking you to be in an environment that maybe you would not, rather not be in, that he has prayed that God will keep you in whatever environment he's asked you to participate in. God will keep you in that. God wants us in the world. Let's add to our phrase, he wants us in the world to be different. Verse 17. Verse 17, Jesus says, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. That word sanctify means to set apart. So from the moment a person says yes to Jesus and they, they give their life to him, there's this supernatural thing that happens where they become a new creation in Christ. They're born again, is the, is the phrase Jesus uses in John chapter 3. They're born into a new life with God. They're set apart. They're They're, they're different. But, but God wants to take that difference, that, that word sanctify, setting that person apart, and he now wants to work that difference into a, a believer's life, a follower of Jesus Christ, 
so that even as they are different, they're set apart for God, now, now in everything that they do, the way that they think, the way that we respond to situations, how we go through troubles, how we handle successes, in every way we now begin to become different. We become more like Him. We start to think more like Him. We start to act more like Him. And this is, this is the way of Jesus. This is his prayer for us, and it happens as we engage his word. He says, sanctify them in your truth. Thy word is truth. And so as we look at God, as we, as we saw in our awe series, as we look at God and we just look at him and we, and we just look at him, our thinking becomes changed. We begin to look at the world differently. We look at ourselves differently, our identity. We begin to look at, at, at the perspective of other people, and we look at them differently because we're seeing it more and more and more from God's perspective. And as we engage His Word, as we look at Him that way, we become changed from glory to glory to glory is how Scripture proclaims it. So that who you are today will not be like who you are six months from now, will not be like who you are a year from now, because increasingly you're going to become different, as in more and more like Jesus Christ, your Savior. That's what Jesus prayed for you. That's his intention for you. And, and how that affects the mission is this. As you become more and more different, what happens? Not just your words, but your life is proclaiming to the people around you that Jesus has risen from the dead. And we know that because he rose from the dead, poured out his spirit, and he changes and transforms people. I can see it in your life. Your difference bears witness, bears testimony to the fact that the good news of Jesus Christ is actually true and real and it works right here in our time. Completely different conversation with another Christian, again, not, in, not from this church, telling me about this difficult place that she's been placed in, in the, in the workplace, thought God had placed her there, but now finds it extremely hard, extremely difficult. Uh, the language is colorful, if you know what I mean. The environment is, is somewhat very negative at times. And so wondering, should I take myself out of this place? And then God comes in an amazing way, confirms to her, no, this is exactly where I want you to be. Through one of her co-workers, maybe one of them a little more difficult to get along with, says to her one day, you know what? You're different. You've got joy. You're different. You have peace. You're different. You're so patient with people. And as this person was relating to me, she started to laugh because she said, basically, this person who knows nothing about the Bible began to list the Galatians uh, 5, fruits of the Spirit, one by one. Amazing. How did that happen? Through engagement with God's Word and the power of His Spirit, looking and looking and looking, and then trying to live it out by the power of the Spirit, transformation upon transformation upon transformation, this is God's intention for you that when people look at you, they say, there's something different about you. God wants us in the world to be different. And this bears witness. This testifies to the reality of Jesus and that he's risen from the dead and that his gospel is true. We move on in our, our, um, the statement that we're building 
Verse 18, we're going to have to adjust our statement because it says this, as you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. God not only wants us in the world, he sends us in the world. God commissions us. He sends us into places. You're not where you are by accident. You're not in this time of history by accident. You don't live where you live by accident. You're, You're not where you work by accident. You're not in the family you're in by accident. You don't have the friends you have by accident, the neighborhood that you're in. You see, God sends people. We need to see it. We are sent ones if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. You've been sent. It's not just for those who go overseas. And they are amazing in in the things that they lay down in their lives in order to be able to do that. But each and every one of us is a sent one if we are followers of Jesus Christ. And so we ask the question, God, where, where are you sending me? Like, where in my relationships, where in my workplace, like, where in my neighborhood, where is it that that you are sending me? What conversation are you inviting me into? What relationship are you calling me to go deeper with someone? God wants us in the world. He sends us into the world to be different. And this bears testimony, this bears witness that Jesus Christ himself has risen from the dead. Isn't that amazing? Now, during the course of this series called Share This, I mean, we've talked a couple of times about the fact that anytime we talk about um, the Christian term is evangelism, and maybe you're here this morning and you don't have a, a living faith in Jesus Christ, and it's a bit awkward that we're talking about telling people about Jesus. You just got to know, we believe this is true, and so it means so much to us that the most loving thing we could do is, is to talk about how we can do this better. And so I hope you understand the heart of us talking about that this morning. But even as we do, I mean, it, it, it's not unnatural for some of us to have lots of fear and barriers rise up within us. And, and I, want, I just want to try and help us remove some of that this morning because, you see, we think when we hear about being on mission or sharing in God's mission like this, we think of it so much in individual terms, like it's, on, it's up to me, it's on my own. It's on me. And though, yes, we are to participate, it's much bigger than that. It's not all about you. It's not all on you. First of all, God has given us his Holy Spirit. And so anything he calls us into, he's going to empower us to do. If he's called us to be witnesses, to testify to others about Jesus Christ, then his Holy Spirit will surely come and empower us to be able to do that. He told his first disciples as much. In fact, in Jerusalem, he said, you guys better wait for for the Holy Spirit because you're going to need his power to be his witnesses. And we surely need that. And God has surely poured out his Spirit. And we need to appropriate the presence and power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It's not all up to you. It's God working through you. But there's more than that. And this is what we want to build our statement into this morning. God sends us into the world to be different by his love. By his love. There's a togetherness. And it's characterized by his love. So before I talk about the love part, let me talk a little bit more about this community part. You see, God calls us together to share this mission, to be sent ones. And as he calls us, calls us together, we, need, we begin to understand that we have different giftings and different abilities. 
And so somebody may be really good at just talking to strangers and, and you know, they can begin a conversation with anybody and, and before you know it, they're, they're talking about Jesus. Some people have that gift. Should we all learn how to talk to others about Jesus? Absolutely. But some people have a gift with that. At the same time, this person who finds it so easy to go out on the street, begin a conversation and just talk about Jesus, that may be the same person where if you ask them to put on a dinner tonight for 12 people, they would probably go into shock and wouldn't know what to do and panic because that's not their gifting. And so someone who has the gift of hospitality and say, oh, bring it on, I love to cook for 15, 20, 30 people. I love to do that. That's Oh, man, they just light up. So what happens when you put this gift with that gift and they're invited over to someone who has the gift of hospitality and conversation takes place over meal like no other place? You see how it can work? God calls us together in our uniqueness and our unique gifting to work together so that people will hear that Jesus has risen from the dead and it is in fact true. As a, as a larger church, we try to structure some things to make it easy for us as a community to be on mission with God. And so we run an Alpha course a couple of times a year that makes it easy for anybody in this church to just hand out an invitation card and say, would you like to come to Alpha with me? And you go with them the first session. Maybe you don't have to go for the whole thing, but you can go with them for the first session or second session. That's, that's the way we can do this corporately together. And the way as a big church, we make it available to everyone. Let's say you have trouble explaining the good news of Jesus Christ, what we call the gospel. You bring them to Alpha and somebody does it for you. You think of community Christmas. You just have to do an invite. Christmas Eve, one of the best times to invite somebody to church. All you have to do is give them an invite or share something on social. Boom. We're trying to make it easier more accessible for all of us to be on this mission, not by yourself, but together. And together in love. So Jesus' words, again, picking it up in verse 20, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me. So as we're on mission, collectively together, there'd be this incredible unity that we'd all be one. How big is that unity? Just as Jesus and the Father are united. Verse 21, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. This unity that Jesus talks about is birthed out of love. We know that from reading down into verse 26 where he says, I made known to them your name and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. You see, just as we saw as, as God makes transformation happen in our lives and our lives stand out as a, as a shining light to Jesus because we're different, so a community of people that realize that God loves them so much that, they're, that they become immersed, they become saturated in that love, that they begin to love one another as God has loved them. So that also becomes a testimony, a witness to the world that surely Jesus must have come, Son of God, risen from the dead. 
This morning we're going to share a couple of stories. I'm going to invite David Morelli and Latifa Kahani up here and just to share a bit about their life and how the community of God impacted them in their relationship with Jesus Christ. So David, why don't we start with you? Yeah, so if you know me, I have been called into ministry, actually one of the pastors here at the church, but uh, there was a time where being a pastor was the furthest thing from my mind and I didn't follow Jesus and my life was lived up to that point before I met Jesus for in the sole pursuit of, of making it as far as I could go in, in, in hockey and um, even though I didn't believe in God, I look back now and I realize that God had graced me with the ability to play and so I played professional hockey for three years and I grew up in this world where uh, there was a brotherhood. You always hear about sporting teams having like a brotherhood, like a, a deep connection as they go into battle week in and week out and they, they go through the ups and downs of competition together. And there was a, a level of brotherhood, but what you really don't know from the inside is it's a very dog-eat-dog world. It's very competitive um, to the extent where you never feel safe, actually, to be honest. Like I watched over and over times where the guy that was sitting beside me uh, in the dressing room uh, would just as easily throw me under the bus if it meant he would get ahead, um, would get the more ice time, would would get to the next level quicker. And so you lived in this environment of competitiveness where guys said, I loved you, but it didn't really show itself in, in the community. And so I came into the experience of a, a community of God, of people of God, with this lens on, and a friend had the boldness to actually invite me to come to church, and, and I had felt so empty living on this treadmill of performance where you're loved based by your coaches, by the owners, um, based on how well you play, your last shift. And so I grew up in this world where performance determined value and the amount of love you got, and so I showed up at church, and then I hear this good news that God loved me for me, not because I played well on Saturday. Um, he didn't love me any less if I didn't play well on Sunday. He loved me for me, and that blew my mind, and it still blows my mind to this day that, that Jesus loves me enough as I am. I'm enough for him. Um, but what also grabbed my heart, so that made me lean in, but what grabbed my heart and kind of sealed the deal for me was watching the people that I was around, around me how they loved one another. It blew my mind, like watching people cry with one another, hug one another, pray for one another, walk across the room to the person who was sitting by themselves and just put their arm around them and draw them into community. There was just this love that you just watched um, Christians have that I, it just, I had no frame of reference for, and it blew my mind. And when I had those two things come together, I was like, I can't say no anymore, and I gave my life to Jesus. And it was, I still cannot get over the love of God for us in Jesus. Um, and now I just live my life to try and help others understand that and live that and experience it like I did. And so I have a huge debt of gratitude to uh, that church for showing me what Christ-like love was, not just in words, but in how they cared for one another. Latifa. Okay. Um, we are here all to share God's glory through our stories. So mine is not different from David's, and I am sure everyone has a story to share. Um, I was, I grew up, I was born and grew up in a Muslim family, very loving, kind, and they have provided everything a child needed uh, but as growing up, I've never experienced uh, God's love. So like Christian, Christians, when they, from a young age, they 
they get to know God and they have the chance to hear God loves you, God God's loves you. And I, we don't have that language at all in the Islamic faith. Um, but as growing up, I always do more performances in my life just to be close to God. The more I do, uh, the farther I get from this Allah or my creator. So I try to put my puzzles together just to understand better who I am in this universe and who is like after my death, where I'm gonna be. And I, I never comprehend anything about, about my life. So I even used to ask questions to my family and go to school and ask my teacher about some questions from the Quran and I will be punished for those questions because Islam you cannot question, you should take it as is. So moving forward, as a teenager and as a young adult, um, I always try hard, like fasting, extra fasting, praying, extra prayer. It's just like striving. I was hungry, I was thirsty, but I don't know anything about Jesus, nothing. We don't, it's a Muslim country, mm -hmm. and it has about 9% of Jewish people in Morocco. Um, so until when I came back here to Canada in uh, the... Um, 2000, and for my last 34 years, I was just like praying and doing everything and trying hard, and it's just like a hamster on the wheel and trying and trying and trying, and I'm trapped in the same thing, doing it on and on and fighting against myself to be like a good person, to be doing everything good, but nothing, I always felt ashamed, I always felt not even getting there. So when I came back here in 2000, um, a group of people, so one of those group of people, um, she used to go with me to take English class here in Vancouver, and uh, she used to go to her community group and pray for me, so I did not know anything. She was wearing hijab, and by the way, I was wearing hijab too for two years, <laughs> just by choice, and uh, she told them that I am I'm done here in Canada, I would like to go back to my country. And then she told her prayer group meeting about my situation and they decided to fast for one week and pray that the Lord will open my eyes. So they came to buy stuff for a garage sale I had. So I was just interested for them, for their money to come and got my stuff. Mm. So they decided if this woman is not going to open her heart to the gospel, we are not going to buy anything. So they have it all too. Um, so when they came, the first thing they have done, like talking about being bold. So they did not know me or anything. It's just they start laying hand on me and praying. And for me, it was not, that's not the way we do prayers. We pray five times a day. It wasn't the time for prayer. We have to do certain washes before we pray. So they were just like fervently praying for me while I was criticizing their action and their... <laughs> so, and after I did not focus about what they were saying. I was just like hoping they will finish and they go out. I don't need even their money. Um, but after I just heard one of the guys, he said, thank you God for loving Latifa. 
And that was my turning point. Hold on one second. So I was just talking to myself. Is there a God that loves me? And it's just the more they pray, the more it was like hitting my heart deeply. And it was the answer of my prayers and my questions that I had since I was a child. And I started weeping and crying. So I knelt on my knees. I couldn't even stand up. Then I, I told them, please keep praying. Keep praying. So, and uh, after that, it was that day I understood the depth of uh, and the magnitude of God's love. It's not based on my performances that I have been doing for many years or anything I have done on the past or my family or my belonging or whatever. It's just because he's God's, God's love. He's love himself. And he loved me so deeply and then I gave my life that day to Christ so in other way I would say just we are we are responsible as believers to pray for others and to be bold and to not be ashamed of going and talking about who we are in Christ so his love endures forever and his mercies are new every morning thank you Thank you, both of you. I think both stories illustrate the power of God's love demonstrated in the gospel of Jesus Christ. See, we come into a relationship with God because of God's love, giving his son, dying on a cross for us, rising from the dead, ascending to the right hand of the Father, so that ever puts their faith and trust in Jesus now has an entry into a relationship with God. And if you're here today and you don't have that, you're invited into that. But this amazing gift that many in this people in this room have received is not just, it's not just a one and done. This, this gift that we've received through Jesus going to the cross, dying, becomes the model for how we live our lives. His extravagant love becomes the model for how we are to relate to one another. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, um, Paul writes to the church there, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. He's just told the believers there that they should look not only on their own interests, but on the interests of other people. That others should matter more significantly than yourself. And so there's a, the way of Jesus, there's a way of dying to our needs and our goals and our aspirations and, and making them subservient to loving others. And serving them. And as one does this and then another and then another and as it builds and more and more and more, this, this community of love happens that is indescribable, that has no, nothing comparable in the world to that. But it only happens. We can't just try and force ourselves to do it. It begins by first looking and receiving at how God has loved us. And marinating and marinating and soaking in that amazing love. And then out of that, seeing that love reflected in and through us to those who are around you. It's got to be more than a song. It's got to be more than a Coke commercial. 
It's, it's got to be something where we actually do lay our lives down for one another, where we make tangible decisions. And I don't know what comes to mind in your relationships with people around you, but what would be a tangible decision where I need to lay my life down for the betterment of someone in the body of Christ? Because, see, it goes together. We're on a mission out there in the world to bring them into a community of people that love one another. That's the picture that Jesus gives us here in his prayer. To that you've been sent. Sent to be different by God's love. I'm going to pray for us. Uh, Father, thank you <clears throat> that we get this amazing glimpse into Jesus' prayers. He was talking with you. Thank you that you loved us so deeply that you were willing to give us your son. Jesus, thank you that you were willing to go to the cross. Thank you for pouring out your Holy Spirit into our lives, Lord, that you would change us and transform us just as we respond to you, Lord, and that you would also use us to be on mission with you and to share this gold that we found in a relationship with you. I want to praise you for that today. In Christ's name. This morning, as we were praying before the service, uh, the word unleashed, we talked about, and we're going to do something a little different this morning. We're going to give us all an opportunity to present ourselves before God. We're going we're gonna to have a song of response. <clears throat> and in the midst of that, if you're here today and you're just saying, you know, God, I want to present myself to you. I want to present myself to you to come under your authority and to be commissioned and empowered anew by your Holy Spirit, to be on mission with you, to be different in the world, and to be filled with your love, to be different amongst one another. Uh, we just want to uh, we just want to pray that over you this morning, and so we're going to begin to sing. And even as we're doing that, I invite you to come forward, hang out here, and then in the middle of the song, I'm going to just pray a prayer of commissioning. We're just going to ask God to do something, do something greater in our lives to release us, to unleash us into the neighborhoods, the workplaces, the families that He's placed us to be a reflection of His beauty and glory to the world where he's planted us. So I invite you to do that this morning. We're going to begin to sing. You can stand and let's worship.